Khaled Husseini, renowned author of The Kite Runner, A Thousand Splendid Suns and the novel And the Mountains Echoed, has released a new work. It isn't quite what you'd expect if you, as I, have grown accustomed to the sweeping, epic, long-format novels this talented writer has produced in the past. By contrast, his latest offering, Sea Prayer, is more like a delicate hors d'oeuvre which must be consumed slowly and savoured religiously line by line, lest you devour it too quickly. Sea Prayer takes the format of exactly that, a litany, as a family sets out on a perilous migration. We're honoured to have Khaled Hosseini on the line to us from San Jose in California. Thank you for joining us on Journeys. Khaled, great to have you with us. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Now, for years, thousands of us worldwide have consumed the dense literature you've turned out. Sea Prayer is distinctly different in form. Why did you feel this was the best medium through which to speak at this point in your writing career? Well, look, I'd have to address how Sea Prayer came to be. And um, I was um, asked to speak at a fundraiser for UNHCR, the UN Refugee Agency, in March of 2017. And I had been, um, I was given five minutes to speak, and I simply um, felt the compulsion to write something about the drowning of the uh, just over two-year-old Syrian boy, Alan Kurdi. Um, He washed up on a beach in Turkey in September of 2015. And ever since seeing that photograph, um, you know, as a father of two, I was so um, touched as everyone else uh, was millions of people around the world. And so I sat and uh, began with just allow that image to just inspire me. And what came out over the span of a couple of afternoons was this uh, short uh, sort of monologue from the father to his son as they stayed on a moonlit beach on the eve of uh, one of these desperate crossings uh, across the Mediterranean. The subject matter is both difficult and easy to access at the same time. So so my 11-year-old could read it too and be as moved as I was by the story. But for many readers who've never experienced forced migration and, let's face it, are appalled at accepting refugees into their countries, is a book like this capable of moving them, do you think? Look, I, I, I don't think storytelling is enough, but it is vital and it is indispensable. Uh, I think it's absolutely vital that we keep telling the stories of refugees um, and uh, and inviting people to re-engage with this issue because there are so many misconceptions about forced migration. Um, For instance, um, one common misconception is that uh, refugees are are opportunists who are intent on coming to Europe or the United States or elsewhere. Um, and, And the fact is the vast majority of refugees stay near their own home country to the tune of 85% live in countries neighboring their own their own birthplace in places like Uganda and Pakistan and uh, Jordan and, and Lebanon. Um, and so I think it's, it's, it's vital to tell the stories of refugees and to continue to help humanize the stories because statistics, figures, headlines, as you well know, have, are, are indispensable. They're important, but they have a way of blunting our emotional response and ultimately, for us to understand, for us to care, and perhaps for us to act, 
we need to feel something, not just cognitively, but also something in the emotional arena, and, and, and that's what stories do for us. Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't sure how to define Cipre, whether to think of it as a graphic novel, a picture book, to read the text as poetry, because the writing really is so lyrical. I, I didn't know whether to imagine it was meant to be a novella. Is it any of those things, or doesn't that matter at all? I, I think I think there's nothing wrong with describing it a picture book. I think it is an illustrated short book, um, um, and on each page you have a few lines of of the story, and then these beautiful illustrations by the artist Dan Williams, to whom I'm enormously grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would describe it as a as a as an illustrated book, and I think. You know, I leave it up to every parent to know the emotional maturity of their children, but I think this would be perfectly okay to share with children and, and, and allow this book to be an entry point into a discussion about um, the millions of people around the world whose lives have been disrupted by war and persecution. Mm, and, and I think the images will play a huge part in that. They really are exquisite. There's a kind of moving choreography that helps your words dance off the page. How did you know Dan Williams was the artist you wanted to work with on this project? Well, uh, my publisher, um, um, my UK publisher, Bloomsbury, um, uh, uh, allowed me to take a good look at uh, uh, the artwork of, of, a, of a handful of artists, and, and both my editor and myself and, and different people in the publishing house immediately sort of focused in on Dan because um, he, he seemed to have just the right sensibility, and, and, and I think we made a really wonderful decision because his illustrations are not only beautiful and evocative, but they really beautifully um, uh, allow the story to come to life, elevated, I think, to a, uh, an emotional arena that I I just didn't foresee. I think his choices have been spot on, and, and his choices of color, and as the shift from pre-war Syria to um, the Syria that we know today, there's a, a, a sudden shift in, in, in the colors that he chooses, and so... Um, I just love watercolor. I love the sort of the impressionistic approach of his work, and, and I think it's a really good match. You know, it's interesting. When you write singularly as a novelist, I suppose the end product is almost entirely yours. Yet here, Hugh and, you and Dan Williams are working alongside to produce the impact that Sea Prayer delivers. Is it easy, having worked alone before, to hand a huge part of that responsibility over to a fellow creative and hope he shares your vision? Or are you at the stage of your life and career where that kind of trust just comes more easily? Well, I, I think it's it's important to, that's why it's important to take a good look at, at who you're collaborating with and take a look at the previous work and see if it's a good match. I felt really, really good about uh, my collaboration with Dan. Um, I, I had a very hands-off approach um, once I saw his work and began seeing some of the early sketches coming in. Um, I knew that we were uh, really in good hands and that what he was going to produce was going to be uh, really gorgeous and, 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 and what I had in mind. And so in the end, um, I think it's just beautiful that, that his, his uh, vision for this book uh, and, and mine kind of came together as they did. And I think the pairing works, works really, really beautifully. Against the backdrop of Sea Prayer, of course, are all the novels you've written prior to this. Many of them are set in Kabul, Afghanistan. And as a South African reader, I must tell you, you've invited me into a world which is entirely divorced from my reality in terms of geography, language, religion, politics, the dynamics of gender as well. I mean, you've opened up that world to me in a way that helps me to understand it. How do you achieve that? 
Oh, well, well thank you. You know, I, I, my aim was with all books, uh, everything I've written, long or short, has always been to sort of focus on something, a human story. Um, all of my books, even though they're, they're set in locales that are maybe vastly different from, from the experience of the reader, are nevertheless about stories of, of families, uh, of parents. They're stories about friendship, uh, about love, and about duty. And those are universal themes. Um, I think the same with the sea prayer. My own personal entry point into the story was as a father. And I hope that people who read sea prayer and who are familiar with, with uh, the image that inspired it, uh, and also the, the plight of the millions who, who are displaced around the world, that they will be able to recognize something uh, of their own lives in, in, in this brief book, that they'll see uh, that there are universal um, uh, wishes and impulses and instincts that we all share that at the end of the day, whether we're a Syrian refugee or a person living in, in Johannesburg or, you know, in, in the U.S., that our commonalities so far outweigh our differences and that we can share in, in human experiences regardless of, of where we're from, regardless of what our politics are, what our religion or ethnicity might be. I mean, arguably, one of your greatest strengths as a writer is penetrating the female mind. I think uh, the ability to almost read a woman's mind and write empathetically in the female voice. There are very few male writers who can actually achieve this with any realistic level of empathy. What enables you to do that? Well, that's that's a, a very lofty compliment, and I appreciate that greatly. But I, I think if you were to ask my wife, she might defer with your <laughs> she might defer with your conclusion at times. <laughs> Look, I, I, I don't think I have any particular access to the female mind any more so than, than, anyone, else, and than anyone else walking around with a Y chromosome, whether they're writing or not. Um, but what I, what I did have was a really good and, and I think meaningful access to the minds of those two heroines in A Thousand Splendid Sons, those two central female characters. Yes. Um, oh. whose lives I came to know very well, whose experiences I came to know very well. And so I felt that I, I felt I knew them as human beings. And of course, it's a huge thrill to have the stories of these two uh, fictional women who, who I got to know and, and, and really love over the span of two, three years that they were parlay that into a, story, a more universal story about the struggle mm. of women, not only in Afghanistan, but other parts of the world. So, so many of your protagonists uh, in these books are female, and, and, and as you've said, I mean, you've given us two examples of these strong characters um, who, who are striving for freedom, for equality, whatever measure of it the male characters or institutions will allow them to taste. Why have you, and perhaps this is just my my perception as someone who's read a lot of your literature, uh, but I have a sense that in some way you've dedicated yourself as a writer to the female cause. You know, I, I, I think, I, look, what, what happened to women in Afghanistan for me is, is um, compelling and riveting and tragic and heartbreaking. And it was something I understood only academically and it really wasn't until 2003 when I actually had a chance to return to Afghanistan for the first time in 27 years that my eyes were truly open because there was an entire human dimension that was added to my you know, sort of news-centered academic understanding of, yes. of, of what had happened. Yes. You know, I met women who had been brutalized. I heard stories of, of how women had been sold into 
into slavery, into forced marriage, how they were used as, um, loot, you know, uh, as, as a reward for, for, for battlefield uh, victories and how they were beaten. And it was, it was so harrowing and, and to hear the story sometimes firsthand, sometimes secondhand, that um, it changed my entire perspective. And, and when I came home, I did not even have the idea of a thousand strands in my head, but the collective voices of all the women that I heard, and not just their suffering, but also their enormous courage, their enormous optimism. And we've seen that today. You know, we look at what women in Afghanistan are facing. Uh, it's, it's a difficult climate, and yet, you know, they, they have continued to persevere and move forward. And, and, and I hope that they will be given the economic and civic space to to make their voices heard because they're absolutely indispensable to the future of Afghanistan. Um, but it was really that trip in 2003 that just really enriched my understanding and informed me greatly in writing a thousand stories. The stories you write about and that context that you describe so well and, and, and your, your writing, I think, translates so visually. Uh, but these societies are constrictive. They're, they're politically and, and religiously uh, restrictive for the women who live in them. So many of your characters are living. In, in poverty and fear. They do have very little relief from hardship, and yet uh, they, they strive, they live in, 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 in places where they find beauty in the crevices. They find love, they fight to keep it alive, they dream, and, and despite the fact that they lose a lot along the way, they're always hopeful. Um, how, how, do you keep, yeah. how do you keep that balance? Because uh, on the one hand, I'm sure it's tempting at time to look at the number of women uh, who, who succumb and say, well, that's the reality. That's how it ended for some women. There was no happy ending. Uh, we, are, we are nothing without hope. Um, I don't feel that I'm capable of writing anything that doesn't uh, make room in some way, some way, shape, or form uh, for the presence of human grace, for our ability uh, to do good, um, I believe in that uh, strongly, and so I, I there's always, uh, no matter how bleak my stories get, and they can get pretty difficult. There's always that um, that glimmer that 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 just around the corner, there's the possibility that that things will be better, and that that largely pivots on on us tapping into our into uh, the parts of us that that shine the brightest, and the parts of us that are full of grace and 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 an ability to connect with fellow human beings um and so uh you know that to me is is that's my true north when i'm writing that's what keeps me um coming back um and and i i, I would simply not be able to write uh especially about a topic as as one that matters to me and one as important as that women in places like afghanistan i i, I I couldn't write about that in any kind of realistic way because I don't think um, it would pay um, proper tribute to the actual work that, that those people are doing on the ground. And then when I go to Afghanistan, and I haven't been there in a few years, but when I speak to Afghan women and I see the kind of work that they're doing, um, whether it be in education, whether it be in healthcare, whether it be in actual politics, um, um, and, and taking part in Afghanistan, it's uh, we slow, painful rebuilding process. I, I'm just so proud and I'm so moved and so uh, inspired by their example. 
Wonderful talking to you, Khaled Hosseini, renowned author of The Kite Runner, A Thousand Splendid Sons, and the novel And the Mountains Echoed. Having come out with his latest work, he is calling it a picture book uh, in his conversation with us. It is called Sea Prayer. Uh, it has been published by Bloomsbury. It is being uh, distributed locally by Jonathan Ball, and it will soon be available in South Africa. Khaled Hosseini, thank you so much for making the time to speak to us today.